0: but now to make that transition to the center, I'm I'm pumped about it. I feel like it's my natural position um, and I think I really thrive there.
1: Have you eaten squirrel, hunted and eaten squirrel like Ben has?
0: Yeah, Ben's a squirrel guy now. If you had told me that this boy from Roanoke, Alabama would have been doing the things he's doing today, I would have told you a liar
1: right there on the spot. Welcome into the lounge. I'm joined here today by Clifton Brown, stepping in for Ryan, coming out of the bullpen. Always excited to have Cliff join the, the lounge. So uh, we got a good guest here today. Cliff, you're not the only one. Uh, you may be the star of the show, but we also <laughs> got Bradley Bozeman, uh, who's joining us here today. And uh, we're excited to get the chance to talk to Bradley. Cliff, are you excited to be back on the lounge?
2: I am, man. Uh, you know, the lounge is always a good place to hang out. I never know when I'm going to get the call. So uh, I just I just stay ready. Every week, I'm waiting, waiting. This week, the phone rang. I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah, if you're always ready. What's the phrase? If you, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready? Something like that? I like it. That's true. <laughs> That's you. That's me. Uh, yeah, so today, we're going to get a chance to talk with Bradley Bozeman, uh, who is obviously one of the... More interesting storylines uh, on the team, Cliff. Just before we jump into this interview, I mean, this is a guy uh, who it gets a lot of publicity for what he does off the field, rightfully so, and, and we're going to spend some time talking with him about that. Uh, but on the field, he's one of the more important players for the team this off season. He's been a starter for the past two seasons at left guard, uh, but now he's making the move to center, and uh, you know he is—he's going to be a critical piece of this offense this year, no question about it.
2: Without a doubt, and uh, I'll probably ask Bradley about this, but, you know, when I talk to players about switching positions on the offensive line, a lot of times they will tell you it's not a big deal. Then after they do it, they'll say, man, it was a big deal. You know, so, <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'm going to try and get a gist from him of, of what he really thinks about it. I mean, he he played center in college. That was his primary position, but as you mentioned, he's done a good job as a left guard. Now switching back, especially at the NFL level, how big of a challenge does he think it's going to be, and specifically, what does he do to get ready for that? So it should be really interesting to hear him talk about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So we could uh, sit here and uh, give our predictions for what Bradley's going to say, but why don't we just hear from him, himself? So uh, with that said, we'll go ahead and welcome in Bradley. Well, Bradley, thanks for joining us. Uh, You just walked off the practice field here, so uh, let's just go right into it. Uh, as we start moving back to center, this is one of the big, uh, the, one of the big questions that everyone is just kind of curious about. We were chatting about it as we were walking down here. So what do you say? Is it kind of like riding a bike? You've done it your whole life and now you're back to it. What do you tell me about it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I played four years at Alabama, I played a little bit in high school at center. Um, you know, just kind of I feel like it's my natural position. Um, and I think I really thrived there really excited about the transition and moving back in and, you know, having have an, have an opportunity to, to be the starter there. So uh, you know, just taking advantage of every opportunity that I'm given right now and, um, you know, see kind of where we end up, you know, when fall camp gets here and then obviously the season. So,
1: Remind me. So when, when you started playing left guard, had you played left guard like in games before in high school, in college at any point? I uh, played one in college. That's about it. Okay. At left guard. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kind of
0: kind of thrown to the fire, you know, a lot of practice, a lot of repetition, you know, Coach D got me got me right, and, you know, it was uh, just, a, you know, worked out for me pretty well for the last two years, I think I played at a very high level, uh, but now to make that transition to the center, I'm, I'm pumped about it. So.
1: For sure, so uh, talk to me a little bit about... Just the conversations that you've had, like, was it a big conversation or, or do they just you go out there for the start of OTAs and they say, you know, you're at center. Like what what kind of goes on, you know, when you leading into these offseason practices as you're making, you know, a, a position change, even though, it, like you say, it's one that you feel like you're going back to your natural position. But, you know, last year you were lining up left guard and now they say, nope, it, well, one spot over. How does that go?
0: You know, we, were, we knew it was coming at a certain point. You know, just the way that, that things were happening, we've had a couple conversations with Coach Harps, um, you know, Giro and Coach D, you know, all those guys, and uh, you know, had that conversation about possibly moving to center, possibly you know, starting it out in OTAs there, um, you know, and then going onto the practice field and you know, taking all the reps. Now it has been it's been really good. It's been a great, easy transition. Uh, I think our O line, I think basically all of our O line is is together and. Um, you know, to have that cohesion and to be able to, you know, kind of mesh together has been really good. It's been a great opportunity to to work together. So
2: it's been a, it's been a fun couple of days of OTAs. Bradley, I'm a little curious about um, the whole center position thing as far as us lay people always hear that the center is like the quarterback of the offensive line, that, you know, pass protection, making calls, getting everybody on the same page. Uh, how true is that? And then, like, how do you get ready – to take on that aspect if it's something that you weren't doing as a left guard
0: yeah absolutely that's that's the
2: the biggest key to center is knowing knowing the
0: playbook knowing what to do knowing where to put people uh whenever you get a funky look on defense you know getting guys on the right on the right page on the right people uh and it's just preparation 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 you know it's just knowing knowing what to do where to be how you know how the running back's going to react how the tight ends are going to play how are you know, tackles are going to set and just knowing the whole, the whole operation and making sure everyone's on the same page um, that way. Cause if we're all on the same page, we're, we're all right. or we're all wrong together. So that's the, that's the biggest key there. So now guys have to listen to you now, right? <laughs> yeah. A, a little, a little bit more, you know, <laughs> not too much, but we got some really smart players. You know, we, we have guys that that know where to go, you know, really not much communication is really needed, but it's over communicate to make sure that everyone is on the same page.
1: So, Bradley, a couple of weeks ago we had Ben Cleveland on the podcast after he got drafted. He said that you were one of the first guys – I think you may have been the first guy that reached out to him just to kind of make him feel at home. Is that something that you take as uh, as an example of kind of being a veteran leader of the, of this team as you're stepping more into that veteran role now that it's kind of on you to be one of the guys that welcome in younger players on this offensive line group?
0: Absolutely. You know, those, you know, I was one of those guys one day, you know, you know for three, four years ago, I was one of those guys, um, you know, looking for some guidance, looking for some, some someone to welcome me, um, you know, to give those guys that, to give them a relationship, you know, even through social media, when they walk in the door, it's big. It's, it's a big confidence boost for those kids, uh, for those young men. And, you know, just to be able to have a guy they come in, they know they can talk to, they know that they can, um, you know, lean on whatever it may be. Um, and then on the flip side, my, my wife does an amazing job with it, too. You know, she always re- reaches out to girlfriends, wives, uh, significant others, whatever it may be, um, you know, to make sure that they know that they're included and they're welcome, you know, part of our friend group and part of our family. So just to make sure, you know, th- those people have a, know they have a family here with us.
1: Have you eaten squirrel, hunted and eaten squirrel like Ben has? Yes, I, I have. I, you know, I, it's, mine is
0: more in stew though, not 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 like whole or anything. So, uh, but yeah, I, I've hunted and, and, and have eaten it before. So, um, you know, not 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 really a preference, but I'll, I'll I'll do it if someone's got it.
1: Yeah. So tell me, all right. So do you and Ben talk about this? Like he got a lot of buzz for his squirrel story. Are you like, why is this guy getting all this all this buzz? I've been eating squirrel my whole life too, and no one talked about this when I came into the NFL.
0: Yeah, I just, you know, different people have their different niches. So, you know, it's, uh it kind of it is what it is. So,
2: you know, ben, Ben's a squirrel guy now. <laughs> I mean, Brad, I'm, I got to say though that hearing you talk, if you ever gave me some soup now, I don't think I'd ever eat it, man. Cause I'm, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll be sure to let you know what's in it. So. No,
2: that's funny. Um, Brad, also, I'm also curious about you going to a place like Alabama and the competition. That there must be just to get on the field of a program like that. Do you? How much do you think that experience has helped you here? Because you came here with the Ravens, and okay, you know this guy could be one of our starters, but nothing was ever handed to you here. I would assume that was kind of the same way, obviously at Alabama, and has that helped you? You think excel at this level, having to compete at such a program like that? Absolutely.
0: I mean, 100 percent. I got to learn all my hard life lessons there. They try to recruit you out of there every single day. You know, it's just it's just like the NFL. You know, they, they are bringing in five star guys after five star guys after five star guys trying to get you out the door. If they can pr- produce and play, um, especially if they have more potential as an older guy. you know, I didn't start until my, my going into my fourth year um, and, you know, learning those lessons, learning that nothing's guaranteed guaranteed to you and just continue to work and continue to to strive to be better and better every single day because you know someone's on the, just knocking at the door waiting to take your spot um so you know got to got to learn that as as a very young age as a very young man young new football player um
2: and so being here is is helped me tremendously i also want to ask about you and lamar now as the center you know the center quarterback is kind of like that's an important relationship uh I know, you know, Lamar seems to be close to everybody, but just as far as the chemistry between you guys, even handling the snap, is it something that now you guys have to spend more time together, both on the field, maybe not necessarily off, but certainly on the field and in meetings and stuff like that, is your bond now going to be even closer for this chemistry to be a success?
0: Absolutely. You know, I've always had a really close um, relationship with all my quarterbacks I've had in the past, Um, and even the backups or whoever may be behind them, um, so, you know, it, it, it's very important to have that open line of communication for him to be able to come to me. It's like, hey, it's like your your snap was off high left or it was, you know, it was low, whatever it may be. And I can come to him, you know, OK, your hand placement were under center is you, you need to be more to your right. You need to be more firm. You can't press up on me like that. You know, whatever it may be um, is. And also with protections and, you know, just so on and so forth. Um, it, it's huge you know, just to be able to communicate those things. Because him and I are responsible for making things right. He's got the receivers, and I got the O line. Um, so you know, obviously, his his word um, oversees mine. But <laughs> I got I got a little little bit of control in there. But uh, but yeah, just to make sure that it's it's uh, it's we're all on the same page and you know, we're all working to to try to do the same thing and have the same outcome. So
1: so, brother, I also want to spend a little bit of time talking about your work off the field, which. You, you've gotten a good amount of publicity for, rightfully so, uh, because of the work you and your wife, Nikki, do. Uh, you were the team's Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee last year, which was well-deserved. Last year, if you go back you know, to January, February time, you guys march, you guys were getting ready for your, your coast-to-coast RV tour um, to go around and speak to schools across the country about about bullying. It got cut short because of COVID, um, but you guys continue to kind of evolve and find ways to serve the community. What are you up to now?
0: Um, so now, if, for who all don't know, you know, we went, like you said, we went coast to coast. We got cut off in Colorado, came home trying to figure out what's, what to do, what's next. Um, and then we we're getting emails from, from kids saying, hey, like, we're not going to school anymore and we're not getting our, our, our food anymore. You know, some of these kids are going to school and only getting food at school. Um, and so we switched from anti-bullying to food insecurities. Um, in about seven months, we fed about 1.5 million meals. Uh, and then now we switched over to Sink Snacks, which is uh, supporting your neighbors and community. That's our our, uh, our program within our organization. And we have these six by six snack boxes for kids. They have QR codes for the Cal Ripken, for the Baltimore Ravens Police Department. Um, and then... I'm missing one. <laughs> I'm missing one, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, just these great tools for kids to be able to, you know, scan that code and, you know, find free exercise equipment, find, you know, tutoring services, find, uh, school activities, whatever it may be to help these kids out more and more in the Baltimore city community. Uh, and we continue to do that. You know, we've partnered with the boys and girls club. We've partnered with Cal Ripken. Uh, that's it. Cal Ripken QR code on there. Um, and we've, uh, we've partnered with these, these amazing, um, program so far and you know so all these sink snacks are going into um, the Boys and Girls Club and they're giving out at in the local community. We're giving them to the police department and they're handing these these snacks out to kids in their communities as a olive branch and to be able to make that connection closer um, and to feed kids at the same time. So it's been huge and amazing. We've had so many good reports back from the police officers saying how big of a hit they are um, and just how, how amazing it's been to be able to really connect with the community again. Because um, you know you, you you want a kid to come out, you know, not to be afraid of police officers. You want them to to have that trust in police officers and have that open line of communication. Um, so you know, we're hoping that re- that really helps a lot, as well as feeding kids um, at the same time. So you know, we hope hope to make that worldwide by, uh, you know, in the at least a couple of years. So you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. So just always up to something new.
2: Now, I mean, I applaud obviously you and Nikki for this work, all the work that you guys are doing. It's just terrific and i'm just curious as an athlete how much did you think about the fact that what you can do carries so much weight because you are an athlete like if i'm coming to a school to talk to kids I might be a couple of kids who are excited but most of all, whatever who is this guy but when a raven's coming you know it naturally carries weight and now you can use that platform to help others How much did you think about that before it actually happened? And then how much more juice are you guys getting because of all this feedback you're getting for what you're doing?
0: Yeah. So coming in, coming into the situation, you know, we we already knew we had a big platform played in the university of Alabama. We had a platform, we had somewhere to stand. Um, And then, so we had, you know, we were doing anti-bullying coming into the league. Uh, We've hit 26 schools in the month of April before the draft. Uh, And then, so we got to the league, you know, it's like, okay, so where do we go now? Where, where's, what's the next step? Um, and so we just want to maximize our platform as much as we can. You know, it, it's, we've been given such an amazing, such an amazing blessing uh, with this huge platform that we've been given. And we want to, we want to stretch it and mold it as best as we can to use it as good. Um, and, and Nikki, Nikki has been the driving force and just amazing. I mean, I, I, I couldn't do a quarter of what we've done so far without her. Um, Cause she's just, she is on the ball 24 seven. I mean, she's just rolling ideas and, uh it, you know, it, she's a she's a great partner great great teammate you know great great best friend and she's just a, a amazing spouse and uh, you know just can't I can't say enough good words about her but um you know to be able to to stretch the thing like we have have has been has been such a blessing
1: one thing that I think is really fascinating about your story and and this is for listeners who don't know this is part of what was the motivation behind targeting anti bullying from the start was that when, when you were a kid you were bullied. And I think a lot of people probably look at you and they say, NFL player, big tough guy, who who in the world would ever try to bully him? Um and I think that I, I gotta believe it when you go to a I don't know, third grade class and you talk with a group of kids and they say, Wow, if he was bullied I almost feel a little bit more secure in saying that I was as well. Have have you seen that uh, in in your travels and in these conversations you've had with kids?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, like to, to a T, you know, you're saying, Oh, this big guy has has been bullied. You know, what what the heck? And it's like you always always tell the kids like you you don't you don't see the climb. You see the peak. You see the peak of the mountain. You don't see the climb to get there. So you don't know who's sitting to the left and your right of you, who are the, who they're gonna be and you know, 10, 20 years, you know, what they're going to turn into, be, what kind of person they're going to be, what kind of impact you're going to have on their life. Because um, for me, you know, I turned to when things were going wrong, I found a way to turn to football into weightlifting. My wife found a way to turn all the negative into a positive and went to the basketball court, played basketball. She played basketball in Alabama. Um, you know, so finding, finding those external motiva- motivations, you know, when these kids are getting bullied, that's what we were able to do. Um, and so that's what we really, we really try to drive home these kids, like find something positive that you love to do. Nikki always says, if I wake you up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, what are you going to be excited to do? What are you going to be just, just ready to go if I wake you up that early, whatever that is, make that, let that be your, your motivation, let it, everything that's negative happening, put all that bad energy into that. Um, because if you do that, you turn around one day and you've made something amazing. Um. Because you know this war, you you never stop being bullied. You, you know, y'all all know social media is is a killer. It's it's among with young young adults also. So you know, just to be able to those kids to have a place to turn for be able to talk to us, to be able to turn and go into their sport or their their instrument or you know whatever it may be, um, is it, such a huge key.
1: That's awesome, and and as a result of this work, you've you've gotten a lot of buzz. You know, I, I know that the Lounge podcast carries a lot of weight. You know, I know that this was probably the biggest interview you've done in weeks. You also did one on, on the Today Show, which I think is probably second fiddle to this, right? Right, right. <laughs> you
2: can't, you can't uh, stop laughing though, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: is, it, is it crazy though? I mean, to be to be getting interviewed on, on like the, on the Today Show uh, for that they want to feature the work that you're doing.
0: Listen, I'm, I'm from, from Roanoke, Alabama. You know, if I bet 99% of the people that are listening to this, like, where in the heck is that? They're both <laughs> trying to figure out where it's at. No one knows where it's at. If you have told me that this boy from Roanoke, Alabama would have been doing the things he's doing today, I would have called you a liar right there on the spot. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just been, it's, I've been very blessed. I've had an amazing journey. I have amazing support staff behind me. Um, and to be able to get to the point where we are now um, has been, has been such a blessing. Um, and I, I can't. I can't say that
1: enough. That's awesome. Well, uh, we're certainly fortunate to have you here in Baltimore. Uh, great off the field, great on the field, and uh, we're excited to see what you have in store in both places this year. So, Bradley, really appreciate the time. Absolutely, thank God for having me. All right, good stuff from Bradley. Uh, you know, like I said, he's one of the most important players on the football field, uh, and in terms of what he does off the field. All of that credit and praise is well deserved. I mean, this is a guy. Him and his wife Nikki, uh, they just they do a lot, um, and it's it's really important to them. And, and I think that he's become uh, kind of a shining example on the community front. And the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee last year was was well earned. And uh, I think he's we're just still at the tip of the iceberg in terms of what they want to do with their foundation.
2: No question. I mean, teams talk about bringing in quality guys all the time, but in the case of Bradley Bozeman, that is 100% accurate, and his wife. I mean, they're just, you know, caring people who have really dived into uh, trying to make a difference. And uh, you wouldn't think of Bradley Bozeman as a person who was bullied, you know, growing up because of his stature and obviously being an NFL player. But, you know, it's, it's just another layer to show that underneath these helmets and these shoulders pads are, are people like everyone else. And. You know the fact that I think it's important that kids and even adults can look at an athlete and realize that they go through a lot of the same things that that we do. So yes, they they made a difference. The Bozeman's and obviously will are committed to continuing to do so.
1: All right. So in terms of on the field, on the podcast last week, Ryan and I spent some time talking about the offensive line. And it's it's kind of rounding into form. It's not totally finalized yet. I think there's still the competition at left guard in terms of who wins that spot. I mean, that's really the kind of the last remaining question. Well, the other remaining question is exactly when Ronnie Stanley is going to be fully healthy um, at that spot and um, at left tackle. Which the expectation is he'll be ready to go for the start of the season, probably in training camp. But um, you know, until that happens, he's he's got to he's got to get out there and show that he's ready to go. Um, your, your standpoint, I mean, do you have any thoughts, concerns about Bozeman making that move? Because to me, I don't, I mean, this is something I've been talking about, like I said, for a couple, for a couple of years, I feel like this could be a natural transition as the Ravens have had some issues at the center position, um, particularly with the snaps the past, past season, I always felt like Bozeman was a logical candidate. He's established himself in a position that wasn't his natural position coming into the league. So moving to center, like I don't have any concerns that he'll be able to do it.
2: No, I don't. Uh, I think he'll be adjusting just fine. And he'll adjust just fine to playing center. Uh, my bigger concern would be the unit as a whole just getting it in place week one and having a unit that they roll with. Through the season, I thought 2019. It was really important that they got on a roll as a unit offensively. You had the big in- injury with Scara, but that wasn't till later in the season when they had already built up so much momentum and continuity. I think last year, with Yonda retiring, Yonder, uh, Ronnie getting hurt, and then Orlando moving over from right to left, even though they did overall a pretty good job. Continuity is such an important part of an offensive line, and training camp is the time when they want to figure out the best starting five, and then hopefully, once they figure it out, they can roll with it as much as you can from start to finish. So the Bozeman piece, I'm not worried about. The starting five, hopefully, they can gel like they did in 2019.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that I'll say, and then we do want to get to some fan questions, and as always, uh, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. I like the... One of the reasons I like Bozeman at center is his size. I mean, he's big. And so I, I felt like when you put him there, and let's just say Ben Cleveland were to be the left guard, now your offensive line, and you have waiver at right tackle, and you have Ronnie Stanley at left tackle, you have Zeitler at at right guard. I'd put that offensive line on paper up against just about any in the league. And the Ravens love to play a downhill. They're a power-running team. Greg Roman's probably the best run game in terms of designing up the run game. He's probably the best coordinator in the NFL at that. I just... Look at that offensive line, the size of it, and say they're going to be able to bowl people over. They're going to pave their way on the ground for J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Lamar, and they're going to continue to be at the best running team in the league, one of the best in team history, or one of the best in NFL history, which is what they've been over the past couple of years. So uh, I, I just really like Bozeman's versatility moving to center, what that allows that to do for the offense. As yeah, a whole. no um, question.
2: No question. So
1: uh, – all right, I want to get to a couple fan questions here, Cliff, uh, before we wrap up. Uh, this one comes to us from Matthew Cunliffe, um, and he asked about the quarterback position. He said he was listening to the review of the first week of OTAs. Um, he also thought it was a good point about Hollywood having his first full training camp in uh, offseason, which, like we said last week, is really important. So it he, he got him thinking about McSorley and Tyler Huntley. Those two guys are competing. There's no RG3 in the mix this year, so he was the, the backup for the past couple seasons. Uh, McSorley was the third quarterback last year. What do you expect? Do you think that the Ravens will carry three? Will both Huntley and McSorley make it? Will it be – who do? You, how do you see that playing out?
2: Yeah, I think they're only going to carry two. Um, I don't think it's etched in stone, but uh, that would be my guess. Um, and I don't think that, yeah, they're going to be able to sneak – you know, talking about sneaking one of those two through waivers. I don't see that happening. I mean, they're no commodity. So, yes, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting battle. Uh, might be a photo finish as to who wins. Uh, but I, my my gut is that they will go with, with two. I believe that they they like both, have confidence in both, and both will be ready to play if needed. But, yeah, I just feel like they won't carry three. Yeah. When well, you
1: start carrying three quarterbacks – it's it, you really got to have a strong case to do so. Like the preferred m- model, there is is just to keep two because you're basically using a roster spot for a position that you don't expect to use at all. And, and insurance is important, but I think that if you can get by with two, that's what you prefer to do. I also think it remains to be seen. Last year, there were the protections for practice squad players, so the Ravens were able to protect Tyler Huntley late in the, really throughout the entire year, and then that allowed him to still be on the roster, Uh, they could call him up on the weekend, basically, uh, until they needed him full-time late in the year, and that was kind of another layer of protection. I think it remains to be seen what the rules are in terms of weekly call-ups there were covid call-ups last year like the roster maneuvering last season was insane every saturday we would get like six different transactions to all these different call-ups it was just it was just hard to manage um so i can only imagine how eric DeCosta nick matteo felt dealing with all that stuff over the course of a week but um I, i would say that the preference would probably be to keep two and i think it's probably just too early to say i think photo finish is a good way to put it uh one more question here this is from will saunders uh he asked about otas basically what's going on in terms of there's install work and fundamentals but what else is there one-on-one stuff um i understand it's a lot of basics but how competitive and aggressive are we talking like do you see marlon humphrey pressing rashad bateman or Odafe Owe attacking Villanueva. No, it's not that competitive. First of all, the guys aren't in pads, so they're in shells. They're, they're not in pads. There's no live contact allowed during these practices. So there's no press. There's no full-speed pass rush drills. Um, there's no going to the ground. There's no tackling or anything even close to that. So this is like, I don't know, I'll say, kind of guessing at a number here, 75% of a practice that you would see in training camp in terms of speed, in terms of intensity, in terms of competitiveness. It's not to the level that you're going to see in a month.
2: Right. Exactly. I mean, but, you know, it's important. I mean, all those, you know, there's some real competitions going on. I think the wide receivers will benefit from, you know, going against the corners of caliber of, you know, Humphrey, Peters, Jimmy Smith, Anthony Aber, and on, on, on. So, yeah, I mean, I think one of the keys to Ravens' successes is, is, is the way that they practice. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think that I'm interested to see when those battles begin, which wide receivers are getting open, which ones are having trouble, getting off the line of scrimmage. I think those in-space competitions will be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, like the thing to Will's question – the thing that I keep pointing to with OTAs in terms of what's definitely accomplished during this time is that this is a time to accomplish timing. You get into a rhythm. You get into this is a chance for Lamar to to get into a rhythm with Sammy Watkins and Rashad Bateman, guys who he hasn't thrown to previously, and just reps and repetition. You go through these practices; these guys come out of them sharper because you just are doing it every day. And there's no substitute. You hear guys talk about this all the time. You go away for the off season. You can work with your trainer or wherever it is, but there's no substitute for actual football work. Even if it's not a full scale practice, and obviously not any, anywhere close to games, getting on a field, putting on a helmet, running through drills, working on those fundamentals, getting that timing down, there's real value there. So um, that is what's happening during this time. Uh, they are able to line up and go eleven on eleven, but it's not anywhere close uh, to to full go. And like I said, no contact. No tackling, anything like that. So uh, like I mentioned earlier, you guys can always email us, send us those questions to the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Really appreciate Bradley for joining us today. And we'll be back next week when Ryan should be back, right? Is, is Ryan coming back? How long has he gone, Cliff?
2: I think I think he's going to grace you with his presence next okay. week. That's
1: the rule. No, I, I prefer you, but if Nick's <laughs> back, we'll take him. Uh, so he should be back next week. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk with you soon.